Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? It would be so awesome if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about. Kind, loving, Christian conversations. It's not a sermon, not a Bible class. It's just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. On this week's episode, I want to invite you to listen to a conversation that I had with my friend Curtis Hartshorn, who preaches in Chicota, Oklahoma, and is the author of the book, My First 52 Days. The book is designed to help guide new Christians during the first few weeks after they're baptized. Curtis has a heart to share the gospel and to help new Christians mature in their faith. I know you will be encouraged by our conversation. One of the biggest mistakes we make in the church is we do nothing, really. We, yeah. we baptize people, and then we just kind of give them our phone number and say, if you have a problem, call me. And mm. you just can't do that with babes. Uh, these are babes in Christ. They And, and like a, you know, a baby, they don't really know what they need. They know they need something. And, and a babe in Christ is kind of the same way. They, they don't really know exactly what it is that they need to grow, and they need a mature adult, uh, a, a mature Christian to help them. And so whether it's my book or some other guide, study guide, I think the, the most important thing is to get young Christians matched up with an older Christian who's going to care about them, who's going to help them to, to find Christ and understand um, what it means to be Christ-like. Yeah. And I, and I, too, I've seen that so often that we, we obviously— want to help people to realize their need to be baptized and and we mm-hmm. you know we're 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 working towards that with people that we're studying with but so often we we act like that's the, the that's the finish line when really that's just the beginning and and we really oh, yeah, I mean when we yeah. think about the great commission and we think about what Jesus told his apostles to go and to make disciples by baptizing them and and teaching them I mean the the majority of teaching that people need and and it's true in our own lives I mean the majority of teaching that we've received and that we need happens after baptism rather than before baptism. Right. Yeah. And you know, in Colossians 1, 128 says, we proclaim him, admonishing every man uh, with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Well, how are we going to do that on a, on a practical level? Uh, we've got to interact with one another and uh, when somebody is young in the faith, they just need somebody to come alongside them and to guide them to learn the things that they didn't need to know in order to get baptized. I mean, there's a lot of things you don't have to know in order to get baptized. Sure. But after you get baptized, there's so many questions that these young Christians have. And, uh, and of course, the, the Bible is going to answer those questions, but having somebody just to help them find those right passages, uh, Hebrews uh, 3.12, I think about that one a lot. Take care, brethren, that there be not any of you an unbelie- evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it's called the day, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And uh, there's just uh, there's a limitation in what sermons and classes can do. And, mm. and you and I were both preachers, and I'm certainly not knocking preaching. <laughs> it certainly has its place, but... Right. When you're standing in the pulpit, 
you have to meet the needs of the mature Christians. That's the majority of who you're speaking to. And the same with classes. You, the classes are geared towards answering the questions of the majority of the members, and the majority have been Christians for a long time. And we have new converts class, and that's great, and I've taught that too, but unless you baptize people 20 at a time, you know, it's hard <laughs> to, to get people started together on a new converts class and get all their questions answered. Uh, the the solution is to get people matched up together with somebody who is uh, going to mentor them and care about them and help them to find the right answers. Yeah, and I remember we the congregation I was attending when I was baptized, and I was baptized young, and and maybe that's why they they did what they did because they they thought I was too young, and you know I mean that's debatable, but uh, they <laughs> they they matched me up with this guy, and he I, I wish I I wish I knew who he was now. I would love to go back and shake his hand, give him a hug, and tell him thank you for everything he did for me. But but even though I came from a Christian home. And, you know, and, and I had that, that sort of structure in my life and those kind of safeguards. They knew that I yeah, needed yeah. someone else in my life, another mature Christian who would encourage me. And, and so we, we went and got a Coke or an ice cream uh, for several, I don't know how many weeks we, we did that, but we, we got together and we, we studied together and talked together and he answered questions. And I, I can't tell you anything specifically that he said, but... But I'm sure that it impacted me, and and just just the relationship and having a Christian, it impacted me more than than I can you know kind of put tangible words around now. Uh, but I, I think so often we fail to do anything even similar to that with new Christians. Yeah. Oh, you're so right, Billy. And that's all it takes. It just it's not like the person you're getting with has to know everything and know every answer. Uh, sometimes you just have to say, you, you know, you're asking me something I don't know, but I'll, I'll look it up. I'll find yeah. out. But uh, if we if we just would find somebody that cares, that's the key. If they just genuinely care about the person they're getting with and want to help them to be like Christ, then uh, they're they're going to be they're going to learn so much together and grow. And the the older Christian learns a lot too, obviously. Sure. You know, it's not just uh, beneficial to the newborn Christian, but the the ones uh, I had a, a brother who I right soon after he got baptized, not immediately, but he did the first 52 days with me and we just got super close. And now he's he's out on the East Coast and he's a long ways away from me. We still stay in touch. Yeah, we still encourage each other. And he is using the first 52 days with everybody that gets baptized there where he's at or the ones that he works with and, and he gets close to them. And it just, and, and he was telling me that it's, it's nice to have relationships that go beyond the pleasantries of sports and news. Mm. Yeah. You know, if we can actually talk about spiritual things and uh, you just know you, you have your ups and downs as a Christian and it's so nice to have somebody that you can go and say, Hey brother, I'm just, I'm having a rough day. Yeah. Can you just, can you just pray with me? Uh, can we, can we just get together and talk? And, uh, I've, you know, just to have that kind of person in your life is such a blessing. Well, you know, and, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well as I have that, that when you, when somebody is first baptized, when they first become a Christian, they are so excited. I mean, you've just presented yeah. this information to them that is, that is world changing and life changing for them. 
but then they become a Christian and they kind of look around at the rest of us who unfortunately a lot of times have lost our enthusiasm or it's just, mm-hmm. you know, we, we've been familiar with these truths for a long time. And so unfortunately it doesn't get us quite as excited as it does them. And, but, but pairing a new Christian up with, with someone who is, has been a Christian for a long time, not only, like you said, are they going to bring up questions and, oh, I had never thought about that either. And, you know, you, you kind of dig in together and, and think about things, but that enthusiasm, it, it feeds, it feeds both parties because so often yeah. those new Christians, if they don't get paired up with somebody, they, they too follow in, unfortunately in our footsteps and lose their enthusiasm so many times. But, but, if they're paired up with somebody, their enthusiasm is contagious to the mature Christian and then vice versa. And they keep each other fired up. And that's the way it's supposed to be in the church. But like you said, so often our fellowship, quote unquote, gets centered around sports and the weather and politics and everything else. And we, we get together and those are the things we discuss rather than spiritual things. And that becomes our commonality. That's what we share rather than sharing our enthusiasm and our faith in Jesus. And, and so if we can start them off on the right foot, then we help pave a path, I think, for a lifetime of getting together with brothers and sisters in Christ and just talking about spiritual things and studying together and going beyond, like you said, the pleasantries. Oh yeah. It, it's uh, and there's nothing wrong with sports and right. news and all that, but uh, it is just so nice to have somebody that you can say, you know, I, I found this passage and it's just not making sense to me. And I, I don't know what to do. Could we look at that together and to have somebody that will sit down with you and be patient with you and answer your questions and and just, or I'm facing this in my life, and I don't know what to do. Does the Bible say anything about this? Uh, what a blessing it is to have somebody say, "Yeah, sure." The, actually, the Bible has quite a bit to say about that. Let's look at that. Let's get together and let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, that's just so invaluable. And we we need to give our babes in Christ the best possible chance we can at survival in a very dark world. They're getting so much pressure to to fall away. And, you know, Satan doesn't get excited when somebody gets baptized in Christ. He, he comes after them and Mm -hmm. that's, that's spiritual warfare. And to make these babes in Christ have to face that all by themselves is, is just almost cruel uh, to think about. And uh, we've, we've got to start thinking spiritually about when somebody gets baptized, it's not a notch in the belt. You know, this is somebody whose, whose soul has been transformed. They're going to heaven, but we've got to help them to stay faithful. Uh, you know, Jesus told the, um, the church in Smyrna in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, be faithful until death, and I'll give you the crown of life. But we've got to help people to, to maintain that faith and not get discouraged and not let Satan uh, snuff out that flame, that, yeah. that enthusiasm you were just talking about. For sure. So, so what are some of the things that, uh, that your book specifically covers? You know, I tried a lot of different things with, uh, before I finally found what uh, seemed to work the best. I, I wrote my book with, with people get baptized at all ages. Right. Uh, some of them are highly educated. Some of them have hardly no education at all. And so I, you have to keep, everything pretty basic, but I wanted to, in the first week especially, cover the fundamental things. Like on day one, the, they, 
the baby Christian writes down, their assignment is to write down what their baptism meant for them. Have you ever studied with somebody who had been a Christian, but they were baptized young, like you were? Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, I'm not really sure I understood what I was doing. So yeah, they write down their baptism, what their baptism meant. And they're actually writing to themselves like in 10 years. And that's what I tell them. I said, write yourself a letter 10 years from now. So if you have any doubts, if Satan starts putting doubts in your mind, you look back and say, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And they, you know, Mark 16, 16 says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And that's what I did. And so that gives them a lot of confidence in their relationship with God. First John five thirteen, I write this so that you may know that you have eternal life. And so we want them to feel that, that confidence and know that God's with them. They read Matthew 1 through 4, and there's also a little assignment on that first day to write down what Jesus' baptism was all about. Because, you know, yeah, it says he, he did so to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? And why did Jesus get baptized? He didn't need to have his sins forgiven. So get some thinking about that. On day two, they write down, or they study Matthew 5 through 8, read that. And, and then it talks about prayer and what prayer is and encourages them to spend some time in prayer. Even though there's a couple of times in the assignments, they write out their prayers on day three it's Matthew nine through 12. And they're encouraging them to invite somebody to church or to Bible study or to Bible class and to do that preferably with the older Christian that they're getting with Uh, day four, Matthew 13 through 17. There it shows them a way to make their Bible study very personal. So each time they're reading the Bible, it's like God is speaking to them. It's a neat little assignment that that I learned that somebody had taught me. On day five, they read Matthew 18 through 22, and they establish what their weekly offering is going to be. Uh, Young Christians, they don't know. Am I supposed to put money in the plate? How do I know how much? That gives them some biblical guidelines for how to make that decision and, and how to see that as their worship to God. Uh, day six is talking about encouraging fellow Christians. You were just talking about how when the two get together, the younger Christian can inspire and encourage the older Christian. Nothing is as inspiring to an older Christian as seeing a young Christian fired up. And yeah. so talk to them about reaching out in some way, a letter, card, or call, and talking to an older Christian and encouraging them. Uh, day seven, they read Matthew 26 through 28, talks about the Lord's Supper and why we take it. Young Christians always wondering about that. Why do we do that? That's something they didn't need to know to get baptized, but after they get baptized, they, they need to know about that. Right. It also shows them how to do scripture memorization. They memorize the, the Great Commission in Matthew 28. But in, in seven days, they've read the book of Matthew. Wow. And just on and on it goes. For That's 52 great. days, they get in that habit of daily Bible study. And then at the end of the 52 days, in the back of, of my book, I have the Old Testament, and they read, rather than five chapters a day, they average six chapters a day, and they could finish that in 153 days. That's awesome. So, you know, 205 days, they've read the entire Bible. And you know how few Christians have actually read the yeah. entire Bible? Yeah, I wish, um, I wish I knew the statistics on that. Yeah. I mean, we have never been more biblically illiterate as a nation. Yeah. Yeah, of any time I can remember. For we, sure. we just don't even have a clue what the Bible says. And even within the church, it's embarrassing how how little we actually know about the Bible's totality, and especially the Old Testament. We just don't, don't make the effort to understand the Old Testament, even though 
you really can't understand the new That's unless right. you know the Old Testament. That's so. right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how yeah. often do you do you encourage the new uh, the the two to get together during those fifty two days? Do they get together daily, or do they get together uh, weekly? Or yeah, it, I don't really uh, dictate anything like that sure. in the in the book. I I uh, when I do it, I try to get with them at least once a week. And what I like to have them do is to do their assignments if they can on a computer like in a in a word program or something like that and then say hey every once in a while e- email that to me so i can kind of read what you're doing that's and that'll great. give me an idea of just how you're doing and then we can see if we need to get together like if they you can you can read something that they say and you say okay well they're really not understanding maybe the grace of god or uh how this works or that way or what what the death and the cross is all about you can you can read that and you can key on things and then you can get with them and say, hey, let's get together and go get a Coke and let's talk a little bit about this. So uh, once a week is, is, uh, is pretty good if the couple can, uh, people, if they can do that at least. But uh, it's, it's really up to them. That's fantastic. There's no way to, to quantify it, but I, I just imagine that the, the number of people that we would keep from falling away uh, would just just go through the roof if every congregation would implement something like this, that that they made sure that there wasn't a single person baptized that wasn't paired up with somebody to work through all of these, you know, issues that that we kind of take for granted or we or we think that, well, they'll just pick it up as they as they go along, they'll just pick it up. But so often I fee- I see so many people fall through the cracks and you know, there's so many congregations out there, I think, that uh, are really, you know, kind of pride themselves on being evangelistic and they have lots of baptisms and, and maybe even campaigns where they go out and they baptize, you know, dozens and dozens of people in the community. And that's fantastic. But, but so often there's not the follow up and the follow through and, and really the making of disciples. It's one thing to baptize someone. It's another thing to, to make disciples and to really commit and I think that's what it comes down to for all of us to be committed to each other, to be uh, to be our brother's keepers, to to say I'm I'm sure. in this yeah. with you, and I'm going to walk through this with you. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, you, if they're going out the back door as fast as they're coming in the front, what what good are we doing? Yeah. And and another neat thing about this, Wes, is I found so many of the members of our congregation who were sitting there saying, "I really can't preach. I'm not a song leader." I, I can't do a lot of things, but I can do this. I can get with somebody. I can encourage them. And it helps your members to find their giftedness and, and to see I can make an impact on people just by getting with them, encouraging them to read the Bible each day, uh, praying with them. That's something I can do. So uh, it, it can be a great blessing to to the congregation. And it's just following that biblical principle that you keep quoting, going and making disciples, and the next verse says, and teaching them yeah. to obey everything I've commanded you. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're making disciples, we're, and then we're teaching them, how do we do this in a practical way? How do I live out my Christianity? Yeah. Do, do you find it works better, or, or maybe it doesn't make any difference, whether it is the, the person who initially studied with them that continues studying with them after they're baptized, or is it better to have someone else do that, or does it not make much of a difference? 
I've never found it to make a difference, Wes. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you if somebody studies with them and brings them to Christ and uh, and somebody else comes along and, and works with them from that point on, you know, uh, I think as long as both people care, yeah, that's that's the key, you know, yeah. finding caring people. And, and I keep saying that because I think a lot of people think, well, I just don't know enough Bible to do that. It's really not about knowledge. It's it's about a genuine care. Yeah. I care about these young Christians. I want to see them grow in their faith. I want to be there for them. Yeah. And and really, I think people appreciate the authenticity when we're able to say, hey, I don't I don't know the answer to that question. That's a great question. I've never even thought about that before. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and I've, I've got yeah. I've got a young guy that uh, that that we baptized not too long ago and well, a couple of years ago, I guess. But uh, he continues to text me different questions all the time. And I think I I would oh. have never thought of that. I've never thought of that before. But it's a great question, you know, and and I think he appreciates the fact that when somebody will admit to him, you know, hey, I've never thought about that, but let's see what the Bible says about that. And and we dig into it. And sometimes, you know, and I always encourage people that sometimes the the, the answer is, well, the Bible just doesn't really specifically address that, you know, and it's a great question yeah. and, and we can kind of form our, our thoughts around it. But but the Bible doesn't, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that the Bible doesn't speak to. It speaks to everything we need to know to uh, to live in, in relationship with God. But there are some things that we wonder about and we're like, why why doesn't it say? But 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 having those honest, authentic, open conversations with people, it builds a rapport. It builds a relationship with them that that, that respect is there, that you know this person's going to tell me the truth, whatever it is. Even if they, the truth is yeah. they don't know the answer, they're going to they're always going to tell me the truth. Yeah. How many times, you know, as a minister, you, you run into those people who think you have to know everything <laughs> and they ask you a question. You say, it beats me. <laughs> I don't know. Right. You know, and they're just stunned. Yeah. Like, we don't have all the answers. So, uh, preachers aren't perfect. The word is perfect. But, yeah. Uh, we, we've got our faults and, and you're right. That's just so, it's so important just to be genuine rather than try to fake some answer, yes. you know, just to say, Hey, I don't know. I'm, I'll dig with that, but there's a chance that, yeah, we may not, may not get the answer yeah. to that question. Cause there, and that's another thing that's, uh, you have to kind of guide young Christians through is that some things we may not know till the end. Yeah. And, and it's okay. The Bible tells us everything we need to know, everything pertaining to life and godliness we're right. blessed with. But there's some other things that, gosh, I just, I don't have a clue. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, and I, I think that may be one reason why, and and, I'm, and I'll just, you know, be honest myself, that, that I don't like admitting I don't have the answer to something. I, yeah. I, I don't like, when yeah. somebody comes to me, I want to be able to give them an answer. One, probably because of my ego, whether I want to admit it or not, but, <laughs> but two, because I love them and I want to help them. And when they've got a question, I want to come up with something to give them. Um, but yeah. but the, the more you know somebody on that personal level, the more you realize they don't they don't know everything uh, but but it's easy if you want to keep that illusion of knowing everything to kind of keep everybody at arm's length and to yeah. and, and I think that that's so often what happens in the church is we've got all these answers to get people baptized but then we then there's this life that happens after 
baptism and this whole journey and this whole struggle. And, and we, we kind of keep each other at arm's length so that they don't see our vulnerability and they don't see our lack of understanding or knowledge or whatever. But, but that's not how, that's not how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to work that we help each other and we lean on each other and rely on each other. And in order for that to happen, we have to be willing to let down our guard and be willing to be honest and, and open and authentic with each other. And so often we're just afraid, I think, to, to allow that to happen. Yeah, you forget, Wes. I'm so much older than you. I got over that pride thing a long time ago. It's <laughs> good. I'm glad. I've made so many mistakes at this point. It's like, and I've uh, just been blessed to be around brethren that are so patient with me because it's like, oh, gosh, I, uh, you, it just saps the pride out of you. For sure. Uh, when you're just, oh, gosh. But, uh, but you're, yeah, you have to be genuine with people and, uh, that is another beautiful thing that comes from that one-to-one precious relationship where you got somebody that cares about you and you care about them. You know, it, when Jesus called the disciples, I think it was Mark chapter three, it says he called those he wanted and they came to him. So in other words, he wanted those 12. Yeah. He, he handpicked them. These are the guys that I want to work with, but they came to him, which means they wanted him. Yeah. And that's the key is it should be, it's got to be something that you both want to do. I want to get with this person who is a young Christian. I want to encourage them. And the young Christian saying, yeah, I want to get with that older person who can help me and guide me. And then they develop this trust uh, together. And, and, and also, you know, I think this goes without saying, but I think that's why it's so important. Guys really need to be getting with guys and girls getting with sure. girls. For several reasons, you know, uh, one is, you know, the girls, they got their girl things they got to talk about. We Guys, we got our guy things we need to talk about. But there is that danger because you do get pretty close. And um, but that same uh, for that same reason, that's why it's such a blessing for husbands and wives to encourage one another yeah. in their faith. And, uh, you know, because you can get that that closeness just from you're talking about the most important things in life when you're talking about our faith in God and our eternal destination. I mean, what, what's more important than that? And you're sharing that with somebody and, uh, helping each other to, to get there. It's, it's can really help you. I, some of the best friends I've ever had were ones that I've developed that kind of relationship with where we learn how to trust each other and, and uh, I've confessed sins to somebody without them being judgmental about me and and uh, praying with me and even fasting together with me. Say, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this is serious. Let's get together. Let's do some fasting. And, and you just go through experiences like that, and there's just nothing like it. Yeah. And, and when you were talking about women and, and, and getting with other women, and I, I, I just think, you know, so often we spend time talking about what women can't do or shouldn't do, or, you know, women yes. saying, I wish I could do more or those kind of things in the church. And there's, there's just so much to Christianity for all of us to do. There's really no place for any of us to say, you know, I, I can't, there, I'm limited in what I can do. There's so much discipling that needs to happen. Uh, and, yeah. and so much teaching, that, so much teaching that women need to be doing with, with other women, especially younger women. I mean, that's what Paul says. I mean, he, he tells these older women to be teachers of these younger women, teaching them to, to love their, their husbands and their children. And, and that's really discipleship. It's, it's these older women 
teaching these younger women, this is this is the way the gospel changes us and, and helps us to live this kind of a life and showing them that as an example, but teaching them with their words as well. And and there's just for, for women to say, you know, so I'm not supposed to teach. I'm not I'm supposed to be a teacher. It's like, no, we we need you to be teachers, be teachers. But but here's here's where we need you. And, and, and men, here's where we need you. And there is a difference in those roles. Uh, but but there's enough teaching to go around for all of us. And, and there's so much teaching that goes undone because we're, we're more concerned about teaching that happens in a spotlight than we are teaching that happens around a kitchen table. Yes, you're right. I was thinking about the same scripture, brother, you know, where. Paul told Titus, yeah. you know, you encourage those older women to, to instruct the younger. And uh, there's, there's so much wisdom in that because there is, there's a difference in, our, uh, in the way we approach things. And um, women can just talk to women about that stuff so much better than a man could do, yeah. you know, even if he tried. And uh, we guys, we got our guy things we got to talk about. You know, and so it's just, it works out so much better to follow that and just be wise about that area. If you're interested in getting a copy of Curtis's book, the information is in the show notes, or you could email him directly at curtis1960 at gmail.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And as always, I love you, God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.